0: IG Radio. Hey, hey. I am here with Alexa today. Tis I. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, Miss Avery is not with us today. She is still on maternity leave and still, will-
1: Still? How long I does know, she meet? I know. <laughs> um,
0: but <laughs> she probably, actually, she will not be joining us for the rest of this series. Hopefully the next one, but we'll see. Um, if you're not cute in, she's basically taking care of triplets, so.
1: She is a boss woman right now. Yes. Yeah, she's boss boss girling it up. Yeah. <laughs> right. She's uh, literally got her hands
0: full. Yeah. She needs actually an extra f- hand. Yeah,
1: we should probably we be with her, helping <laughs> her, but we're here with y'all, so. <laughs> yeah,
0: I agree. If you're listening, we, we love, love you. you. <laughs> Yeah. We'll come help you soon. Yeah. Um, so we left kind of on a cliffhanger mm-hmm. on our last episode. Alexa mentioned that we were going to be jumping in to an Old Testament verse mm. for this part of our hermeneutical
1: series. Mm-hmm. Um, an oldie, but yet a verse that is used for the vast majority of oh, people. Yeah. I would say it's tied for most misused.
0: Mm. It's pretty far up there. Philippians four yeah. thirteen might just barely be ahead, mm-hmm. but it, it's up there. Yeah. Um so if you guessed Jeremiah twenty nine eleven <gasps> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> For I know the plans I have for you, declares the
1: Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. That's inspirational. It is. Isn't especially it? when you tie it to like you know, the future and like graduation and all the yeah, things. Yeah, there's just so many things. Let's and just tie it to everything. God
0: has a plan for it all. Yeah. And it's all for good. Mm-hmm. There's no evil. There's nothing bad. What that's is sin? Happen. Yeah. Like nothing bad <laughs> could ever happen to you. That's what it says. It's it's true. Yeah. But um well, before we uh break that down <laughs> and why that is totally incorrect. Um I had a few notes that I just wanted to go over real quick because studying the Old Testament, as Alexa mentioned in the last episode, is often seen as like a beast to be conquered in mm. the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Like some people just don't even attempt it. Some, some people, people don't even
1: know that a book of the Bible in the Old Testament exists.
0: Like, like yeah, Amos? What? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Who is that?
0: <laughs> is that a coffee drink? <laughs> coffee shop name? <laughs> right. So there, there's a, it's, it's treated differently, mm-hmm. and I think, and it can be treated differently, and obviously, those negative ways. But also, the Old Testament is quite different than the New Testament. Yeah, we're de- like Alexa mentioned, we have different genres, different categories. We have poetry, uh, narrative, gospel, uh, letter, mm-hmm. and the New Testament is comprised mostly of that narrative, gospel, parable or letter format Mm -hmm. there is some prophecy like apocalyptic stuff thrown in there which is in times right but it's it's mostly that narrative gospel letter format which is easier Mm -hmm. to read through whereas in the old testament you've got history narrative poetry wisdom Mm -hmm. prophecy true uh, songs law it goes on and on and on there's or er, there's so m- and then you have like subcategories it can get really complex and some of those like prophetic books are ex- can be extremely difficult to mm. um navigate as well as like law old testament yeah uh Isra- like israelites their law things mm-hmm. like that
1: especially cuz it's so different from american culture it's so foreign or pretty much any culture like i know we, yeah. we a lot Most of our listeners, like, we are from America. We do have some that are not. But for the most part, Levitical law is completely against the grain of what we're used to in terms of understanding and practice.
0: Yeah. And so, and I think, like, you hear often, like, the God of the Old Testament.
1: Mm. Like, I'm more of a God of the New Testament kind of person. Mercy and and love versus judgment and wrath. Yeah. Sodom and and Gomorrah versus New Covenant.
0: mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it's like... God is the same throughout the entire Bible. God does not change. Scripture is very clear about that. But the way that God operates with his people, with the world, is not quite how we see it in America today. Mm. That does not mean God is changing. It just means that we need to keep that in mind Mm -hmm. as we read the Old Testament. Mm. So I'm saying all of this to say if you think the Old Testament is difficult to understand, not entirely wrong. Right. It is difficult. Yeah. But again, reiterating this point that we we have the Holy Spirit. Mm. And if God has given it to given us his word and it is in the Bible, it is there for you, not necessarily to you, mm-hmm. as Alexa mentioned, but for you. And it the Holy Spirit will help you understand what you need to know. Um, and secondarily, these things take time and practice and are typically not something easily discerned during initial readings. I'm not going to read Leviticus and just be like, oh, I totally understand (laughs) it all. Yeah. No, it's going to take time. I'm going to have to use extra resources probably to figure out some stuff. Mm -hmm. However, if I can encourage you while it does take time and effort, it's probably not as much as you think it would. Mm. And God has given us so many resources to use and that make it super easy. And this will not be the last time I do this, but I have to emphasize the study Bible. Study mm. Bibles are such great tools right. in this area, especially when dealing with the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, I say this as in as a shameless plug for study Bible, but also don't use a study Bible as your crutch. And so as right. I go through Jeremiah 29, 11, most of this I pulled from my own readings. I went, I looked it up myself. I did not rely wholly on my study
1: notes because um, I think that's a very important practice that we need to have as believers. Right. And I think just as a little add in on to that resource and expounding upon the study Bible, I personally use John MacArthur's study mm-hmm. Bible. I I've heard amazing things about the Reformation Study Bible, the ESV Study Bible. I don't know if you had any other recommendations that you would want to add. No, that's what I personally use. John MacArthur, love J Mac. I mean, those of you who are Reformed who don't like his eschatology, I don't even care. (laughs) He is my A1. Um, But, um, Annie, what do you use? Do you use ESV? I use primarily ESV, but I do have a John MacArthur one that I. And Reformation Study Bible is also super good. But anyway, yeah. just wanted to say that if you're like, wow, I need a study Bible, what do y'all use or what do you recommend? Those are great ones. Yeah.
0: Those are the three I would highly recommend. I, I don't see any which of those better than the other. Um, yeah. I actually love to compare them to mm, each other.
1: Yeah, different versions, different yeah. notes. Yeah, always good to compare.
0: So that's um, those are those are my notes regarding study Bibles and just when dealing with the Old Testament. So let's dive right in. I when going about studying, I ask the I think it's four W questions. Who, mm. what, when, where, why. Or is mm. that five? Uh who, who what, went, when, where, 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 why. That's five. The five Ws. <laughs> <laughs> I think it it's just a really simplistic way of approaching trying to get those contextual clues. Yeah, that's good. So we're gonna start out with who? Mm. Um, who wrote Jeremiah? Mm, could it be
1: Jeremiah?
0: It could be. <laughs> so, Lucky guess. <laughs> Jeremiah 1-1 gives us some pretty useful mm. clues. And little hint, as do a lot of books. Yeah. The first verse typically reveals something about who the author is. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah 1-1 says the words of Jeremiah. Ding, ding, ding. Now, we don't necessarily know if that means Jeremiah like hand-pinned the words. But these are going to be the words and prophecies of Jeremiah the prophet. The next few verses are going to show us more about who Jeremiah is, lending some credibility to his title as prophet. We actually see that he is a priest in the first verse, which is interesting. The reader can assume that means Jeremiah would be familiar with the law of God. So there's some clues about who our author is. And you know what? That took me less than a minute to figure out those things. They're mm. all right there. Mm. Um. So who is Jeremiah writing to? This is a good follow-up question in our who category again we are blessed with a direct answer in the first few verses says quote the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah the son of Amon king of Judah that is our first clue that he is writing to the people of Judah and we can continue to assume that as we read uh the who this is written for is important because often this verse jeremiah twenty nine eleven mm. is taken out of context and applied to a modern day typically u.s christian um yeah when it was written for the people of judah mm. as we go on this will become or should become apparent as to why that is a big deal so moving on to our win category when was jeremiah written and i am not so much concerned when i'm asking this question the like the year or the month right I I'm not going to say that's unimportant, right. but as non-academic biblical scholars, I don't think that's important for our purposes. I want to know when, within the history of the Bible, right, is right. this
1: occurring? And so, and the people of Judah, right? Like, right. I mean, if this verse is saying, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, He's talking to the people of Judah, right? Mm-hmm. So, why is it important that they know that? Like, why is it important that they know that God has a plan and a future for them? Yes. Yes. Which which comes into play
0: significantly as we start answering that question. So, again, we're back in the first chapter to find our answer to this question. Chapter 1, verse 2. See, people, I'm only in the first, like,
1: (laughs) four verses of this book. She's got an answer sheet to all these W questions in chapter
0: 1. exactly. (laughs) God's given us many golden nuggets. And... um. So it says, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Amon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. It also came in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the mm. fifth month. That's a lot to take in. Some big names, right. you know, and Jehoiachin stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. But what we see here is that. Uh, Jeremiah is taking place through three kingships of mm. Judah. He—that's how long his prophecies occurred during, and during part of their captivity. So, you're probably like, I don't even know who those people are. And for the sake of this podcast not being ten hours long, we're just gonna not go deep into that. Just know that Jeremiah is taking place over several kings, kingship, mm. and through part of their
1: captivity. Which Which, is important because I think when reading books of the Bible, especially, we assume that this is all happening in one time. uh So that's a good point. You know, reading Jeremiah, understanding that this is over a span of large amounts of time. Yes. Okay. I'm going to pause
0: here and talk a little bit about the historical win. When I mentioned that I want to know where in the Bible this is taking place. Mm. Because the overarching story of the Bible is so important and I fear that many Christians don't understand the history of the Bible. And I'm not going to get super deep into it. I'm going to assume that most people listening are familiar with who King David is and his son Solomon. During their reign, the land was united as the nation, the 12 tribes of Israel, plainly called Israel. However, as punishment for Israel's wickedness, the kingdom of Israel is divided into two. Now this is taking place over several books in the Old Testament. We have 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, and then you have some Psalms tied in there that apply to these things. So this is a significant chunk of Old Testament history that we are talking about, and it's more commonly referred to as the divided kingdom. So for now there, now that we have the northern kingdom which is going to be called Israel, Mm. And this is important because it gets very confusing if you do not understand the kingdom is divided, reading Jeremiah, because he switches back from talking about Israel to Judah, Israel to Judah. They're not Mm, the same anymore. Not the same thing. They are not interchangeable. And so the northern kingdom is Israel, and that is all the tribes minus Benjamin and Judah. Then we have the southern kingdom, which is called Judah, which com- is comprised of those two tribes, Benjamin and Judah. So, Northern Israel, Southern Judah. Mm. Jeremiah is primarily a prophet to Judah, mm. the son as of the revealed in the first. Ver- as revealed, Is that the in first verse or first chapter? Obviously, the first like four verses. Yeah. Um. So that this is important mm-hmm. because. Without that knowledge, it does get extremely confusing. Like, as I was just flipping through, I'm like, oh, my gosh. she switches back between talking to Israel and Judah all the time. And before mm. I knew that, I thought we were talking about the same place. And I didn't understand when he says, you've seen how, you've seen Israel's wickedness turn from yours. Like, what, mm. why are you talking about them like they're two different people? Right, right. Or places. So, anyways, um, Judah, this is also very important. Judah is where David's line the kingly line comes from, and eventually the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is promised to come from. Israel, the northern kingdom, will eventually fall into ruin, and they never had a single godly king. Never, not once. And Judah switches back and forth between godly and ungodly leaders, and it's the kingdom that eventually falls in and out of Babylonian captivity. If you're familiar with Daniel, Daniel occurs during their captivity in Babylon. So now you're probably starting to see, wow, this all sort of kind of ties together, intermingles in and out. And hopefully it's starting to connect some questions that you may have had.
1: Yeah, I'm even thinking of the line of Judah,
0: which Mm -hmm. is what Christ
1: is referred to as. So that's on par with what you're saying. Yes. And it is super important to remember Judah
0: is the nation that Jesus is promised to come through or the Messiah is promised to come through because that ties directly into Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven. Mm. This is what people David was promised that a king whose throne would never end. And I think it's Second Samuel seven or first mm. Samuel seven, either of one of those. Um, this is a promise that God has said. And so we're looking at this win and it's like judah's going into in and out of babylonian captivity mm. and it's like but god you promised us the fog david's, is beginning
1: to live yes. and we're
0: seeing more of this verse formation yeah like you promised that david's throne when was, was eternal and that would never end mm. what is going on anyways we'll get more into that um and i know that was a lot that we just unpacked very and, historical and, yes <laughs> and it's it, it can be a lot. But it's very important because, like I mentioned earlier, a massive chunk of the Old Testament, like all these minor and major prophets, not all of them, but a huge chunk of them are occurring during this divided kingdom time. So what is the book of Jeremiah? Um, as we discussed earlier, there's many types of literature throughout Jeremiah. Um, some are narrative, some are autobiography, some but most are primarily prophetic. Again, this is a golden nugget that we grab from the very first chapter of the book. Verse 4 says, Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, dot, 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 I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Okay, boom. Jeremiah is a prophet. We can assume this is going to be prophetic in nature.
1: Hmm.
0: Okay. So, for the sake of time, we will walk away with understanding this book is largely narrative and prophecy. And I say narrative in the sense it's outlining historical facts alongside prophecy. So why was Jeremiah written? Again, this is why that background context is needed. Otherwise, warnings about Israel and Judah will not make sense to you. And if you think they are one and the same, it gets far more confusing. Mm -hmm. As you familiarize yourself with the Old Testament prophetic books, you will see a big reason that a lot of them are written is to issue warnings to their prospective audiences. This is the case with this book as well. Since we know that this book is prophetic, we can expect a lot of... Prophecies surrounding judgments. A lot of if-then type of statement. They may not be written, if you do this, then this will happen. But that is the premise of why they exist. If you do not turn from your idolatry, judgment will happen. And like Alexa mentioned, this isn't happening over the span of a month or right. even a year. I'm talking years of warnings of judgment from God through his prophets to these people. Same thing in Jeremiah. Years. In, Jeremiah is often called the weeping prophet. Yeah because he spent his whole life proclaiming prophetic warnings of judgment and no one was listening to Mm. him. So that's a whole nother thing. But this is one of the reasons I highly recommend study Bible again, because Jeremiah is a huge book. It's a lot bigger than Philippians. While all that stuff was available in the first chapter up until this point, there may be some more cultural things that you're unsure of or some prophecies that are just not phrases we use in the common English language, and so I would recommend the Bible for that, the study Bible for those reasons um, as well. Oh, another thing that's also in the study Bibles is they typically come with outlines Mm. of big books like this, so you can kind of just do a bird's-eye view of the outline and see, okay, yeah, this is definitely a book of prophecies and warnings um, to Judah turn from their sin, repent, or judgment is definitely coming. Where? Easy peasy. First chapter tells us this verse two in the land of Jud or in the land of Benjamin, which we know is a part of the southern kingdom, Judah.
1: Hmm.
0: okay so we've discussed the who, what, when, where and why. Let's do a little bit of analysis and application. and again a reminder, I have found most of these things in the first four uh, verses of this chapter and as a note, I did not, read a ton of notes in my study Bible. It's not googling where to find all of that stuff. I literally just started at the beginning and it was mm-hmm. like, what can chapter one tell
1: me? Mm-hmm. And
0: I found a lot there.
1: It's interesting to see how much you have found there because I feel like you know, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament you know, there's always those long introductions and it's always like, I mean, I think of like Philippians or, or any of Paul's epistles is like Paul, a servant of Christ, called apart to be set, you know, like yes. it, it's like we we read that like it's Like, you know, when you Google a recipe and this whole like multiple essays come up about why this woman is posting (laughs) a cookie recipe because she has traditions in her family and because they go on a road trip every summer and because and you're just like scrolling through. You're like, I really could not care less. I need to get to the recipe. I think we treat the beginning of books of the Bible like that. Oh, like, yeah. like, Oh, Paul, the apostle called apart to be like, okay. Scamp, scamp, skip, skip, skip. Now, like to Timothy, my brother in the fa- okay Okay. Yeah, you get know, to the
0: real stuff. Right. Yeah. But in
1: reality, it's like, that's the context. Like, yeah. like you need that. And, yeah. and seeing how you have just gone to the beginning of Jeremiah and you pulled all of that important stuff, like not only the sake of it being written across all that span of time, but also the divided kingdom and that mm-hmm. whole aspect, and um, and Jeremiah, like who is he? Who, and what was his role? It was a prophet. Okay, so this is prophetic literature, you know. Yes. And, and so I think that that's really cool. And hopefully, those of you who are listening to this can can see the importance of just going to the first chapter, doing that little extra work, you know, and and aiding yourself in that way. God has provided those that information for a reason. Mm-hmm. Scripture is God breathed. Every single word in scripture is purposeful. So utilize that and don't stress yourself out reading Jeremiah 29 and then having to come up with yourself, okay, what is the context? You know, like that's just not what we're made to do. Even as somebody who understands the
0: overarching history of these books at a very Mm. basic level, if I were to just plop into Jeremiah 29, which I did just out of curiosity, yeah. I was even like, okay, I I don't know what's going on. Like, right. I know the general history, but I'm pretty like confused. Yeah, what, yeah. Like, what's happening? So, right. I can imagine if you knew absolutely nothing, it was it's not going to be a very edifying study time if you're going to choose to skip all the steps following that.
1: Right, right.
0: Um. So, with that being said, actually, well, I did not read all the chapters of Jeremiah to prepare for this because there are. A lot. Yeah, there's 52. Okay, wow. Yeah, <laughs> there there's 52 chapters, and they're not short ones either. No. I'll just say that. It's a very thick book of the Bible. But I think best practice for, if you're going to be just pulling one verse out, best practice is to read the whole chapter that first comes from, mm-hmm. at a minimum. If you can, I would recommend the surrounding chapters, mm-hmm. um, however many you you can discern that is. But definitely always, if you're pulling a single verse out of scripture, read the whole chapter. And just try to familiarize yourself with the book's context, though at a minimum, as we've done, I just read the whole chapter. So chapter 29, verse 1, 10 verses before the infamous verse 11 we have so many more golden nuggets of information. I'll just read it straight through or not the whole thing, but the first part it says, These are the words of the letter of Jeremiah, the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priest, the prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. You can't get much more <laughs> straightforward than that. This is a letter that Jeremiah has written to exiles in Babylon. Boom. Super mm-hmm. easy. Right there, we're seeing easily that this, this part of the chapter is a letter. And verse 11 occurs within that letter.
1: Mm. So, so that, not to us. Nope. But to a specific audience of people, which yes. are the surviving elders of the exiles. Yep. So we're even it's even more specific. It's yeah. not to all of Judah. Right. Right. It's
0: not to all it's not to Israel. It's not to all of Judah. It's to this very specific group that is exiled in Babylon.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you'll see why. So the next chunk of verses is four through twenty three, and it's instructions and reminders from God to these people. There's a lot we can a lot of truth we can draw from these verses about who God is and his character. And how he deals with his people. But I'm just going to highlight a few things. Um, God is the one who has sent them into this exile. As plainly stated. They are are to essentially get comfortable in Babylon. And live their lives. Multiply their peoples. Pray to the Lord for um, Babylon's wealth and prosperity. So God's saying get comfortable. You're going to be here a while. Mm. Like don't sit around. So we can assume these people are sitting around waiting for their exile to end, to go back to Jerusalem. And God's saying, it's not going to happen right now. Get comfortable. I've brought you here. Start having families. Pray. Mm-hmm. And then he says that Babylon's prosperity is your prosperity. So pray, like build up the city economically, like contribute. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, get comfortable. You're going to be there a while. And then God continues to say, don't listen to anybody who says otherwise that came from Judah and tells you to like basically pack your bags that this exile is going to end. He's saying, no, that's, that's not what's happening. Don't listen to them. So then we get to God's encouragement to these people. After just telling them to sit tight for 70 years, he reminds them that he is faithful to his promises and you need to know what those promises are. Like, what is that promise? Again, back to the Davidic line. God is going to send a Messiah through the Davidic line whose kingdom will be for forever. Mm. Because if you're sitting in Babylon, God's telling you to get tight in this foreign, like, sit tight, get comfortable in this foreign nation. You're thinking he's forgotten. He forgot Mm. that we have this promised land, that we have this Messiah that's going to come through its kingdom. Like, I mean, that's, uh, I, I would probably feel the same way. So, This is where famous verse 11 comes in. He is reminding these people that he is in control and that he has a future for them that is good and hope-filled. Whoa. Uh, That's huge. Imagine that you are these people. God has promised that a Messiah is coming through the land of David, one whose kingdom will never fail. Not only is the nation of Israel split in two, but they are exiles in Babylon because of their sin— And I am sure these promises seem pretty unimaginable as the situation was very bleak. It almost feels that God has abandoned them. And honestly, some of them probably knew they deserved it. Mm. God's encouragement here is huge. It is reminding them he is faithful to his word. His plans are for their ultimate good. And there is hope and a future. What he has said will come to pass, not now, but later. A few verses later, God promises to bring them back home. Can you imagine the immense relief that must have been felt and needed in those dark days? Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is a drink of cool water in the blistering heat for the Jews who have been misplaced and discouraged. A reminder that God is always faithful to his promises despite our sin and a Messiah is still coming and they are not abandoned and they are not alone. Do you see why this is huge? And how a small, a small understanding of the context provides immense worship to God. Because you know what? He did exactly as he was promised. He brought the remaining Jews home. He became God among us, our Emmanuel. Jesus died on the cross, rose again three days later. He is faithful. And he did and does have plans for us and for them. Plans of hope and plans for a future, but it is all in Jesus Christ. Mm. Friends, this is why context matters. It is so easy to tack up a verse like Jeremiah 29:11 under your Instagram post about how hard nursing school is, or whatever your situation might be, but resist the urge to unintentionally trivialize the promises of God. Hmm. God absolutely has plans for you, even down to bring you through a hard season in life. God absolutely has a plans of good, a future and hope for you. But do not think that means a life of ease and happiness. God's plan for your good could look like complete destruction of your health, a loss of a friend, the death of a loved one, you name it sing of God's sovereignty and the desire for your well-being in those moments of excitement and joy but do not forget to sing it in the moments of hardship and suffering all of our good future and hope is in Christ Jesus all of it mm. so when we talk about Jeremiah 29:11 and we know the surrounding context we can sympathize Mm. with those Jews and understand what it's like to have lost sight of who God is and his faithfulness and feel abandoned and alone and only see dark days ahead. And we can draw the encouragement from there and remember that God promised, what God promised came true and he is faithful and that we also have a similar promise in Christ Jesus. Mm. Not that he is coming, but that he is coming again. And that if we believe in him and we trust in him, we will spend eternity with him.
1: Mm, we have a future and a hope.
0: We do. Yeah. Do you just feel the weightiness of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, viewed through the proper context mm. versus the this tacking it up in your mirror before you go out to school for the day? Like, right. I, And I'm not thinking of anybody specific when I say these things. It's just what we tend to do or see on social media. And so. Right. Right. I I say all of that to just remi- to hopefully give glory to God and hopefully you can see the glory of God through these promises and through this rich history. It's the Old Testament is not a burden we must bear. It is it is a joy. It gives us like breath. It gives us the water we so deeply long for because we start to see this narrative and history of God's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. so and through much bleaker times than our own. Right.
1: And, you know, at the end of the day, some of you may be listening. You're like, well, I just like that verse because it reminds me that God's in control. Well, you know, he is in control, Mm -hmm. but you're also doing yourself a disfavor by not knowing the context, because that, like Annie was saying, is so worshipful. And that is also something that you can apply to your life. Mm -hmm. Like God has a plan for his people through the Messiah and Annie, I was thinking about what we were talking about in the last episode when we were talking about you know a good key indicator if you're reading a verse out of context or you're just reading it improperly is if you elevate man above God. Mm-hmm. And I think of John five thirty nine when Jesus Himself is speaking to the Jews who are familiar with the Old Testament. You know that's what they they read yeah. and. And they're like experts, and Jesus tells them, "You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me." Mm. And just thinking about this verse, like you were saying, like it's messianic, like yeah. like God is preparing the way for Jesus and uh, prepare a way, like it says in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, to give us a hope and a future through the Messiah. Um, but specifically addressing his people within this time who have their own historical context, who have their own surrounding situation and time period in which (laughs) things are happening. And I think you did such a great job unpacking all of that so that not only can we walk away now, obviously rejoicing in the fact that God is in control, you know, he sent his, he sent a Messiah and who paved the way for us to have a relationship with him that gives us a hope and a future, but also The same God who was in control of his people back then, that the surviving exiles of Judah, is the same God who right now is aware of your situation. Mm -hmm. Like you yourself, applicationally wise, may feel exiled or ostracized from any surrounding situation, whether that's family, whether that's seasons of life. And just know that God is in control. Right? This verse may not specifically have been to you, right. but it is for you and encouraging you and reminding you of who God is in that season of life that you are in. So, Annie, I really just enjoyed hearing you unpack that. And I know um, the divided kingdoms is a subject that you are very passionate about. I Annie, love it. fun fact Annie <laughs> loves studying that stuff. I don't know why. I just love it. Annie is our Old Testament scholar on imposing grace. It's true. I'm just kidding.
0: But, <laughs> <laughs> um,. Before we close out, just adding on one last thing to what you're saying is like understanding the context. I'm like, without it, that verse, if somebody just, if you trivialize it and you just, yeah, it's just like a nicety that you're saying to somebody. It's almost like that person who has never had any hardship or mm. suffering in their life coming up to you and being like, it's going to be okay, sweetie. Yeah. Like, God's going to get you through. Th- and it's like, yeah. that means nothing.
1: Like, yeah. shut up. You don't understand. Right. And like to the person who's grieving a loss, if yes. someone comes up and says, oh, just pray about it. Yeah. It's like,
0: it just seems insensitive. Mm-hmm. But when you understand that context and the weightiness, you, it, it's a comfort. Mm. It's not some
1: nicety. Mm. It's It truly is a deep comfort that your soul needs. And mm. so, it's almost like God himself is looking at his people mm-hmm. and he's not saying suck it up yeah but it's like he's getting to their level like you were saying like like I mean eventually through Jesus Emmanuel God with us but in that moment he is saying like I will visit you I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place that's mm-hmm. the previous verse verse 10 and then he says for I know the plans I have for you yeah. like it's it's that moment of I mean, if you were in exile, if you were the surviving exile of Judah and the Jeremiah prophet said that, like that comfort, yes. like what you were saying, like it's not God saying just get comfortable. <laughs> like if he just ended it at that, like you're going to be here for 70 more years. Like that would be very discouraging. I'd be mean, like, what's the point of living <laughs> anymore? <laughs> yeah. like, I'm going to be in exile for 70 years, you know? And, but if it, it ends with that hope of, I know the plans I have for you, yep. I am Yahweh. You know, like declares the Lord, like all caps declares Yahweh, yeah. like I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like that gives me chills, right? Like exactly, that's, it's beautiful. And and like you were saying, like you're doing yourself a disservice by not by not allowing your your soul to feast on that. Yes, you know, like by just looking at it and then walking away with the application that God's in control. It's like, yeah, He is. Amen. I'm glad He is but also
0: like yes <laughs> you just don't, it's one of those things where quite literally you don't know what you don't know mm. and you i hope that this podcast series shows you why you should want to know what you don't know mm,
1: yeah and that's the whole i mean <laughs> a little plug for imposing <laughs> <laughs> But that's why we we call ourselves imposing grandeur. Mm-hmm. Right because his grandeur is imposing. And the more you know about him, the more you're able to worship him properly. He is our imposing grandeur. It's that respective awe and fear that you get that fear and trembling when you behold the Niagara Falls or think mm-hmm. about space or look at the ocean, you you get that inward you know, awe for him and his word. But it also, it's not an, it's not a fear that makes you want to draw away. It's a fear that wants you to draw closer Mm -hmm. and learn more about who is this? Like, who is this person? Who is this, this powerful being that, has this whole meta-narrative of scripture pointing to himself. Yep. You know, it's anyway, we could go on. We could. We really could. <laughs> Stop <people>. us, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> We're also um, like hyped on coffee. So true. <laughs> but no, we'd be like this without coffee. It's true. That's also true.
0: Um, but okay, I will close this out. And another great resource that I'm just gonna plug before we close out is Bible recap. Mm. If you are thinking I want to understand the Old Testament, I really, really do. But even Annie, the approach you took is still daunting to me. I understand that, I really do. Yeah. So the Bible recap is daily devotionals, and the lady that is in charge of Terri
1: Cobble, Taralee, my girl, we we're best <laughs> friends. No, I'm not, but, <laughs> but she love does to an be.
0: excellent job she of does. explaining very, and they're super short, but yeah. very, very packed full of like meat. Right. So.
1: Annie, I didn't want to brag, but since you brought this up, I'm actually on the very end of doing the Bible recap. So I'm in Revelation now, and I've been with Tara okay. Lee Cobble since January. Well, so. you know what?
0: I've been with Tara Lee Cobble <laughs> since January, and
1: I am in... Uh, You're in February. <laughs> I'm in Leviticus still, so... Well, I... I guess I'm the one that should be doing the ad. <laughs> it is very good. <laughs> Highly recommend. I'm glad Annie As enjoys a her veteran. <laughs> Annie's over here still like in the Pentateuch. and like um but no, yeah, I definitely I agree. I agree. And it is good and I'm finishing the Bible tomorrow. So... <laughs> I am not. But is...
0: <laughs> Anyways, uh, all right. Thank you so much for listening yeah. and we will.
1: Uh, We're back a, in the New Testament next episode. We are back in the New Testament, but we'll make it another surprise. Oh yeah! I'll give you a hint. Don't judge me for getting another <laughs> cup of coffee. Oh. <laughs> All right. We'll join us next time. Bye. Bye.